I, I want to thank God. Um, as Pastor Stacy said, I too believe in uh, intentional honor. And I want to honor God for the leaders here at Walk Church, uh, in particular, Pastor Hyden and his wife, Nina. Come on, let's give God praise for Pastor Hyden and Nina and the entire Walk team. You guys know I like to call you the walkers. So, you know, let's jump into this word. But I also want to praise God for my family. Um, I, I brought a new picture today. It's been a while since I showed you guys my family. But, you know, those, those, that's the Fox team, the clan. Amen. Praise God for them. And, um, you know, those are our nuggets and they're growing up, you know, they're, they're, they're turning into, I don't know, what, what do nuggets turn into, like chicken strips or? <laughs> so they're growing up, but as Pastor Hyden mentioned in the intro, um, we're excited because God has called us to a new work. And so we are, you know, on the, on the forefront of planting Salt Church International here in Las Vegas. And I'm so appreciative for Pastor Hyden and uh, the entire walk team, um, as they've just always been supportive in every way. And so uh, we're just grateful today. How many of you love the word of God? Yeah, because yeah, we're going to dig in today. I, 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 the, the, the energy just has me right. I just I just feel it. I feel like I'm going to go to work. So I brought a little rag just in case I sweat a little bit because I feel like I'm going to have to work today. But but like I said, the energy is right and the atmosphere is right. And one of the things that I know is that the Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. And so we know that not only are we here, but God is here. Amen. And so we're just appreciative. As I said, I love the word of God um, because it's the only thing that really changes us. You know, you can go and, you know, get all the self-help books you want and hear from all the most amazing speakers and read all of the books that you can read or listen to the books that you can listen to on Audible because we cheat now. But at the end of the day, the only thing that really can change us is the word of God. We believe it's transformative and through the power of the inner working of the Holy Spirit, it will transform us from the inside out. The Bible tells us in Romans 10 and 17 that faith comes through hearing and hearing comes through the word of God. And so it's the word. It's the thing that uh, does the work. Uh, the Bible says, I believe in Hebrews 4 and 12, that, that the word is living and active, meaning that, that, it's, that it's alive, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. So it cuts in every direction and it can do all the work that I cannot do through my intellect. So I, I don't have to be smart for you guys today. All I got to do is just read you the word. Amen. And that's what we intend to do. I'm jumping in on the summer set list. Amen. I've been watching over the weeks and uh, saw Pastor Hyden open this thing up with Man in the Mirror. And then my man George got up here and he shook it up a little bit, right? Amen. I see my boy George over there. And uh, Pastor Hyden came back and he talked to us about just the two of us. So today, I'm going to take us back to 1988. I was in the fourth grade. Some of you weren't even alive. But I was in the fourth grade. And I remember the fourth grade well because my teacher's name was... Mr. Wayne Dieball, shout out to Mr. Dieball, and, and that was the year like when I had my first fake girlfriend or whatever, you know, and uh, I just remember fourth grade for, for whatever reason, but there was a song that was out, and it was pretty cool. Um, I remember it came out in the summertime, and you know, it, it, it made you feel a certain way when you heard it, so, so we're going we're gonna to cue that up real quick, and maybe you guys will know what I'm talking about. Let's play that. You guys remember that? You guys are like my daughter as soon as you hear music. That's funny. You guys remember that song? I bet you can't do the whistle. Hey, I really hear somebody whistling though. Like some of you was like, Ehh. no, somebody was whistling. 
I can't do it. So I tried in the first service. I'm like, no, nah, I ain't gonna embarrass myself again. But, but Bobby McFerrin wrote that song. And in 1988, it was a song that told us not to worry, but to be happy. Well, today, what I want to do is I want to explore the scriptures and I want to give us what the Bible gives us the instruction uh, in regards to worry and what the alternative is. If you read in Matthew chapter six, verses 25 through 34, we're going to open this up and I'm going to read this to you because I want you to hear what Jesus is saying to his disciples and he's giving them instructions in regards to worrying. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly father, he feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor nor spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? whole lot about clothes in here. For the pagans run after all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Today, we're going to talk about don't worry. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for those that are here, God. I pray that you would give us an ear to hear, a heart to receive. Remove every distraction, God. Let the words that come out of my mouth Lord, be not my own, but that they would be those, God, that you uh, intend to go forth and to accomplish what you want it to do and not return unto you void. Let every word of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And we all said, amen. 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 Listen, there are some enemies that we fight against that you can see. And those are the enemies that are a little bit easier to deal with. Every enemy has, you know, its strong suits and points that, you know, you have to game plan in order to overcome. But it's the ones that you cannot see that are the most dangerous, I think. So I recently and I went to go see Top Gun Maverick. Anybody go check it out? Okay. All right. I'm a little nervous to say this next part because you guys got a little too excited about that. And uh, it's, a, it's a bit embarrassing also, so, but I have to admit, I'm, I believe in being real. That's revealing, exposing, authentic, and legitimate. So I'm going to go ahead and expose myself real quick. I saw Top Gun Maverick, but at the time, I had never seen the original. Yeah, I, I know. Don't, don't, don't stone me. But, but I did see it right after. So like two days later, me and my wife, we were like, ooh, let's go see So I'm a fan now. But, but there's something that took place in, in both movies that, that, that really came to my attention. So there were techniques or strategies that they utilized in order to go under the radar so that they could not be detected. You guys know that, right? And so you remember, like, he you know, went through the little valley thing and all that stuff. And um, I don't want to, you know, spoiler alert for anybody that hadn't seen it. But 
there were times that they specifically went under the radar so that they could not be detected of the enemy. And oftentimes what ends up happening in our lives are that there are some enemies that we fight against that go undetected. They become so common to us that they become a part of who we are and it just becomes a part of how we operate and how we govern ourselves as individuals. So the unfortunate thing is that when you're not able to identify the enemy, you cannot really strategize a way to combat or fight against it. And worry is one of those things. Worry is one of those things that goes under the radar and it just becomes a part of who you are. And unfortunately, if you carry yourself in a manner that is governed by worry, it'll really disrupt your heart and how you do everything that you do. And I only say that because I know what it's like. I, I, I battle with worry. I battle with, you know, anxiety from time to time and just trying to fix everything. Part of my problem is that I just, you know, sometimes I want to play little God and I want to fix everything. And God is teaching me that you, you can't fix everything. You cannot do the things that, that only I can do. You, you can't rescue everybody. Yeah, somebody clapping because we understand, right? Because you, you'll drive yourself crazy trying to be the savior of everyone. And so God is helping us to see this thing. And, and, and it's an invisible enemy that we fight against. Now, now here's the thing with that song. I, I, I used to like that song. And you see, it got an island feel. It makes you feel real good. But the only problem is that the, the, the answer for not worrying was something that I struggle with now. At the time, I didn't get it. But as I matured in my faith, I started to understand that, that the answer to not worrying is to be happy. Because how many of you know happiness is fleeting? Happiness is something that is governed by your circumstance. So, so you are only happy based upon what's happening. And, and whatever state of mind or whatever your situation presents, then that'll determine whether or not you're happy or sad. And I can't deal with that. I, I need something that's more sustainable. I need something that is more legitimate in my life, something that can, can emotionally stabilize me other than being happy one minute and the next. Because, I mean, you guys know like me, you can wake up and be happy and feeling good about yourself and go downstairs and realize somebody drank all the milk. And, and that's enough to just disrupt your whole day. So, so I'm trying to move beyond like, man, if that messes me up, like it's going to be a long day, right? Because you're going to run into some problems. People going, you, you're going to deal with people. All of this stuff is going to happen. And so there's a movie back in 2006, if you guys um, ever seen it, you guys ever seen the movie uh, Pursuit of Happiness with, with Will Smith? So, so in this movie, he's acting with his son and he's playing a part. This is a true story of a man by the name of Chris Gardner. And, and he's in this pursuit of what they call happiness. And it goes back to the Declaration of Independence, which says that all of us as people have a right to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And so, you know, I, I like the movie. It's a really good movie. And, and for whatever reason there, you know, at the end, you know, when he's like accomplished all of his dreams, he's coming out of there and he's clapping all hard. And, and every time I'm watching that, somebody's in the room cutting onions. I'm like, dude, what is going on? Like every, you know, somebody's always cutting onions. And, you know, I'm like trying to figure out what's going on. But, but, but I like the movie. But, but what I want us to understand today is that our pursuit cannot be on something as empty as happiness. Because happiness will evade you. Happiness will come and it will go. Life is an empty humanistic pursuit of things that do not last. And if you're paying attention to the world, the world will tell you that your pursuit should be after certain things. 
And, and when you look up the word pursue, what you understand that it means is that you chase after something, you track something, you trace something, you stalk something, you follow something, you go after something with the intent of obtaining the thing that you're going after. And so you're pursuing it with vigor, with passion, and you're chasing after. And the world will tell us that some of the things that we need to chase after are fame or notoriety or success, however you define that. We chase after money. We chase after position, power, and and even some of us, we chase after love. We feel like, hey, if I get these things, then this is going to make me happy. Can I tell you this? In the world that I've come from, I've been around some of the most famous and rich people that some of you would know if I told you their names, and they are the most unhappy people that you've ever met in your life. Honestly, I'll tell you a quick story. It's take away from my time, but I'll tell you real quick. I remember when I was a rookie, I was playing and, and there was a, a young man that was on the team and, and we were kind of on the same team, but our position and, and situation was totally different. Like he had M's in the bank. I had, we won't even talk about it. And so um, I just remember being around him and thinking to myself like, gosh, man, he has the world. Like, I mean, he can do whatever he wants, go whatever he wants, have what, you know, I'm stressed out every day about whether I'm going to make this team or not. And, uh, and I'll never forget one day we were at a game and after the game was over, he, we were talking and he said to me, he goes, man, your family comes like to all of every like game we have. It's like preseason and they're here and like, that's cool, man. He's like, man, I do anything, man, to have like my, 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 my father be here and like support like your dad is. And I remember thinking to myself like, wow, because I was thinking like, I wish I could just have everything he had. And he wanted something as simple as support and love. So, so just imagine you have all of these resources and these things at your fingertips, but, but it doesn't fulfill you, which brings me to my next point um, that in the song, there's a lyric that, that I want you to see. Bobby McFerrin wrote that song, and, and there's a part of the song where he says, in every life we make some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. So, so what he's saying in essence is that all of us are going to have trouble in this life, but, but when you worry, it's like compounding the, the, the trouble in your life, and you make things 10 times worse just because you're worried about it. And sometimes we feel like we can't help worrying, but, but I want to show us today that we can. Because what worry does is that it creates stress and anxiety. And we know these as trigger words for mental health, right? So anytime you hear worry, stress, anxiety, it, it takes you to the space of mental health. And some of us genuinely struggle with these things. But, but what I want us to understand is that we have more say in the matter than we're giving ourselves credit to believe. That, that, that some of us are trying to chase and pursue after happiness and it just keeps running away from us. So there's this constant, you know, uh, I'm running, chasing. It's like, you know, follow the leader or, you know, catch. You're just chasing it and you're trying to get something that won't allow you to touch it. There was a nursery rhyme and, and it, it, it's, it's in reference to a hole in the bucket. You guys remember that? Sesame Street, I'll probably kind of date myself a little bit. There's a hole in your bucket, dear life. You guys remember that? Some of you, right? I've already lost a a whole portion of this crowd over here for sure. They're like, dude, you talking about Sesame Street, 1988? Like, come on. So so there was a song, though, and, and it was about having a hole in your bucket. And the entire premise of the song was to try and figure out how do you fill these holes in the bucket? And many of our lives look like this bucket. 
There are holes that we're trying to figure out how to fill, almost like the holes in our pockets. And I know nowadays, like with gas and groceries, like, man, I went to get some grapes the other day. I was like, $9? Tripping. I don't want those grapes. Put them back. Where do these come from? The throne of the Lord? Like, I mean, <laughs> so, so it feels like, like you just put money in there, it just goes right out, right? But, but that's how our lives are. It's, it's, a, it's a bucket with holes in it that you can never fill. So you're constantly trying to fill your life with all of these things that only God can fill. Because ultimately, he doesn't patchwork, you know, these holes in our lives like you see on this bucket because we're trying to cover them up and figure out like, okay, let me hold on to as much as I can. And as fast as you put it in, it's going back out because it's not the right things that will sustain us or fulfill us. And so what I need us to know is that happiness gives temporary feels in your bucket. But, but, but this is what God does because happiness is fleeting, but God is the one that gives us joy. And joy is eternal. Joy is something that, that comes from God and God alone. Yeah, so, so, so I'm not trying to not worry and be happy. I'm not worrying, but I want joy and faith. Amen. Because that's the alternative that's going to give us what we need in order to walk this walk that God has called us to. So I want to explore joy a little bit today. And I want to give you some scriptures where we can unpack this a little bit and we can understand what God has to say in regards to joy. So in Nehemiah 8 and 10, the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. In other words, if you cannot obtain joy, we can find joy in the Lord. He, he is the sustainer, but he also is the originator of that thing that will fulfill you and that thing that will give you the peace and the, and the perspective that you're looking for. So, so I love this scripture because uh, the one thing that the enemy attacks us with when we worry is it's a loss of strength. You ever just feel just, I mean, you just feel weak. When you're constantly worrying, you don't feel strong, you don't feel uh, vivacious, or you have the energy. It just saps everything right out of you. And, and this is what the scripture is telling us, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. In Psalm 51 and 12, uh, this is David, and, and, and this is a, a passage where he is repenting and lamenting over um, his sin and his failure and his fault. But he says a thing to, that, that he wants us to understand. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. See, what he understands is that there is joy in just knowing that we are saved. How many of you know that? Like, like there is a joy that, man, in just knowing that I'm secure in God, that, that, that he sent his son to die on the cross for my sins and raise again for my justification and connect me in right relationship with him. And in that alone, it just gives me joy. I get excited when I think about it because there's nothing that can take that away from you. Amen. And so this is what this is what uh, David is saying. He's saying, restore to me the joy of your salvation. In first Peter one and eight, it says, whom having not seen ye love in whom thou now ye see him not. Ye, that's so confusing. Yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So despite all of the, the language, I, I want you to understand something. It says joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ and coming into the knowledge, understanding and revelation of who he is. That alone will give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. I love the language. Just the word unspeakable just tells me like there's there's no comparison 
to the joy that you can get in him. As a matter of fact, the, the Bible talks about these types of things. The next scripture I want you to see in Romans 15 and 13, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Powerful scripture, right? So many nuggets in there, but it tells us that the God of hope will give us joy and peace. My Bible tells me that God offers us a peace that surpasses all understanding, meaning you, you'll have peace in the midst of situations that you shouldn't have peace. It doesn't even make sense to you or anybody else around you. This is what God does for us. When we rid ourselves and we run away from worry, we run into the joy that God provides. It's a joy and a peace that sustains us. It says peace that, that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Because that's what's attacked when we worry. Yeah, your heart feels like, oh, how do, how do I figure this out? And your mind's constantly racing over how do I, how do I fix this situation? How do I stop this? How do I make this work? And, and, and it's a constant battle that we're having. And if we go back over all of these scriptures, there's a theme that I want you to gather. Because happiness is in all of those things that we talked about that the world outlines and highlights and tells us is going to make us happy and fill our bucket. But, but this is what the Bible says. It says the joy of the Lord. So, so in knowing God and in coming into the knowledge of him, that alone gives us strength and joy. It says that the joy of our salvation is the thing that stabilizes us when we know who we are in him and that he has saved us and that we have a relationship with him. It gives us joy. The Bible even says that joy unspeakable and full of glory comes from revelation of Jesus Christ. When you know him and you have a relationship with him and then the Romans 15 and 13 tells us that there is joy and peace in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So all of these are, are spiritual things that, that, that give us joy, that stabilizes you emotionally, that gives you a place of peace in the midst of the storm, that touches your heart in a way that, that can keep you in a space where, where it doesn't even make sense. Like, man, I just, I just feel joy. It, it doesn't matter what's happening. It's not happiness like things can be going wrong and you can still have that joy on the inside that that's what not worrying does for us. I want to go back and explore this text just a little bit um, from Matthew chapter six and, and just a few of the verses I want to pull out and and I'll read them to you and, and, and share with you what I believe God is saying to us in verse 25. The first scripture there, it says he tells us not to worry about our life, what we'll eat or drink, or about our body, what we will wear. So, so in other words, he's saying these are the things that you need. And there's a very distinct difference between what you need and what you want, right? I'm trying to teach my kids this. Like, it, it, there's, you don't need that. Uh, no, let, let's figure out how to prioritize life now with the things that you need versus the things that you just want. Because sometimes the wants can get you into trouble chasing after those things. And so he, he says that, that God knows what we need. Th those are basic necessities of life. And I hear what you're saying. You're saying, well, sometimes it's even a struggle to obtain those things. But, but how many of you know that, that even in struggle, in the journey of what God allows or what he uh, ordains, there's a process of what God does and he grows us up. James chapter one talks about it. It says that, that we can glory in tribulation because our hard times are producing something on the inside of us. He's producing a perseverance or a completion of patience or faith so that we can be mature believers. 
And that only comes through struggle, unfortunately, but that's a part of the process. And so you got to know that God knows what you need. Philippians 4 and 19 says that my God will meet or supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In other words, he has it all. He is the progenerator. He is the author, the finisher, the beginning, the end of all things. And what that means is that he can provide every need that you have. Yeah, the Bible tells us according to his riches in glory. So, so, so God will provide our needs and we can have confidence in that. In verse 27, it says, <laughs> it asks a question. It says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So I'm one of those people when I study scripture, I like look at all of like the, you know, correlating and parallel scriptures I'm reading, like in the parallel Bible, different translations and all of this stuff. And so in this particular passage, there's actually like a little clause that that leads you to study further. (laughs) And there's another thing that I remember when I was younger that I read. So so it says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And if you go on, it has another version of this that says, can you add? Add a single cubit to your height. <laughs> now, for me, that was personal. I was like, oh, you're going to come at me like that. Because I was always one of those guys for a long time, man. I had these, uh, you know, the small man complex. When I was around people like Pastor Mike, I'm like, man, you know, looking at him like, well, he can't play football, so whatever, you know. So I was always trying to justify and, you know, because I was short and, you know, had the little short man complex. And so to me, that was a direct attack. It, it literally is saying you can't even add, you know, a measure to your height. You can't change anything. We worry so much about things that we don't even have the ability to change. I tell people all the time, I say, listen, you got to know the difference between barriers and hurdles in your life. Like hurdles are things that they're there, but you can move them out of the way, go over them, knock them down, whatever the case may be. But a barrier is something that is just there. I can't walk through a wall, right? I either got to figure out a way around it or, or, or it's, going to, uh, it's going to hinder my progress or, or the direction that I'm trying to go in. But we have to know the difference. This is something I cannot change. I have to figure out a way around it. This is something I can change. And so when we know that, we'll understand why worry is something that we need not do. In verse 30, it says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, talking about clothes again, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So, so he challenges their faith because here's the deal. If you're going to worry, you can't have faith. They don't work simultaneously. You're either going to do one or the other. You're either going to worry or have faith or have faith and worry, but you cannot do both. They cannot coexist. And so what he says to them is, is if you pay attention, God clothes the grass of the field. And, and, and that has no bearing. It doesn't matter. It's here today and gone tomorrow. So do you not think that the one who created you in his image, who is a good father, won't take care of you? The Bible even tells us somewhere in the Gospels, it, it says that, that, that God is, is better than even our evil natural fathers who know how to provide good things for their children. Him being a heavenly father, do you not think that he'll provide that which you need if you ask? This is, this is the, the picture of God's care and concern for us. In verse 32, It says that the pagans run after all of these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need them. Understand that God knows what you need. 
Verse 33 is the one that we all know. You guys got excited when I got to that part and I read that one because you knew that, right? It says, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. When it's talking about all of these things, it's talking about everything that you need in the previous verses. Clothes and, and food and shelter. God knows that. And it says all you have to do is keep him primary. Seeking him first, his kingdom, his righteousness. This is what God desires of us is that we keep him in priority at all times. I tell people so often that a lot of the stuff that God has allowed me to accomplish or, you know, be a part of or be blessed to, to, to even touch. I know that it's just come really as a byproduct of me seeking him first. It's like, hey, I've been seeking God, chasing after him, and hey, let me throw this along the path just just to kind of bless you in the midst of it. But it isn't because that's what I've been chasing. Because the times that I was chasing those things that were falling through the bucket, I I was worried to death. So so there was a change in the perspective and the mindset. Listen, as as I round third base, I want to say this in verse 34, because this, this, this is really important for us. I want you to gather this. He says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, live in the moment and be grateful for where you are. Even Paul tells us, he says, I forget those things which are behind and I press forward towards the mark of the prize of the the high calling in Christ Jesus. He's saying we can't live in the past. And this is telling us we can't live in the future, that we have to live in the present moment that God has given us. And if you're paying attention in the world that we live in, life is fleeting. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people who've passed away. And I visited two people in the hospital yesterday. It makes me really reevaluate my, my, my perspective on life and, and really living in the moment and being grateful for where we are. So, so it's telling us, stop worrying about tomorrow. We can't change the things that, that have not even come yet. Here's the funny thing about it. I was reading an article in magicvalley.com and uh, there there was a a statement in there that I want to share with you. It says, the Bible says that faith is a result of hearing, trusting, and believing the word of God. And worry is fueled by believing the lies of the enemy, our adversary, the devil. In other words, it's a mind game going on that, that, that faith is, is when you hear the word of God, Romans 10 and 17, and when we trust and we believe the word, we won't worry, but you worry because it's fueled by believing the lies or the snake talk that the enemy, our adversary, the devil will feed you. That's why it's so important to protect our gates, to protect what's coming in, to, 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 to guard every thought and take it captive, as the word says, make it obedient to Christ and to the word of God, because Satan wants to worry you because he knows that it moves you out of the space of being in the presence of God. He knows that it disrupts your relationship because our relationship is predicated on faith in him and him alone. And so if he can disrupt our faith and cause us to worry, it causes us to start doubting God. And that hinders our relationship. So you got to know that faith ends where worry begins. And and we don't want to fall into that space of worry. Worry is like the bed place of our thought life. It really is. Like it's a a mental thing that that we don't know. The definition actually says that um, two allows one mind to dwell on difficulties or troubles. So to allow your mind 
to dwell on difficulties or trouble. So it, it's about your focus and what you think about. It says that it's a state of anxiety or uncertainty over actual or even potential problems. We worry about stuff that hasn't even happened. Someone said fear is false evidence appearing real. We're afraid of things that aren't even real. You know, someone that's 65 years old won't get up and go to the bathroom at night because there's a monster under the bed, right? But, but, but we make it real in our minds. And oftentimes we worry over things that have yet to happen, nor will they happen, but the enemy keeps us in that mental space. I heard someone say that worrying is like a rocking chair. It requires a lot of work, but it gets you nowhere. I told the first service, I wish I would have coined that one. Man, I don't know who said it, but I can't take credit for it. But, but that's what it is. It's a busy thing. The Bible says that we can cast our cares or our worries upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. Ah, he loves you. He, he, he cares about what you care about. He, he doesn't want your heart in this constant state of worry where, where we are disrupted in everything that we do because we can't even focus on life around us because all we're doing is just worrying about this and that and, and, and what, how's this going to turn out? And, and it robs you of the joy that I believe God wants to give you. I, I want to share a testimony with you as I close this out. <laughs> when I went to college, I, I went to Fresno State, so, so I actually went to school when I played with David Carr, who's the bigger brother of Derek Carr, you know, the Raiders quarterback, who also went to Fresno State. And I remember when I was there, uh, it was kind of early on. I, I probably was, you know, freshman, sophomore. And I, I started breaking out in these warts. Now, for me, that's, that's a big thing. Because I'm like one of those like germaphobes and, you know, every little thing I'm like, I'm always, I wash my hands 3,000 times. Like I need to keep lotion because when you black, you, your hands get ashy. <laughs> you keep washing them all the time. And so um, I, I started breaking out in these warts and, and I remember I'm like, man, what is going on? So I went to, to the medical center on campus and the doctor was like, oh, okay, you know, we freeze these, we burn them off, whatever. I'm like, okay. So they froze it. It, it turned into a blister. It fell off. I'm like, cool. And it came back. And I'm like, man. So I started like trying to pick at this thing. And then next thing I know, I got one under my fingernail. And I'm just like, what is going on? So I go to the doctor and, you know, two, three different times. And now we're trying everything. They're like razoring them off, you know, burning them off. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. So every single time I go to this doctor, it leaves, but then it comes back. And so I start to realize I'm like, warts have roots. Like there's something down beneath the surface that, that if they don't get the root out, it, it has a tendency to come back. And so finally, I'm just fed up with it because they're just popping up everywhere. And I'm just like, I don't understand what's going on. I'm self-conscious about it. I go to the doctor. And so I'm seeing the same doctor every single time. So when I walk in there, I go to see the doctor and they send me back. But a different doctor walks in. So now I'm irritated. Because I'm just like, man, I got to explain this. I'm embarrassed about it. You know, I'm talking about it and all this stuff. And, and the doctor looks at me and asks me a question that has nothing to do with what we're doing. The doctor says, you know, are you like worried about some things in your life right now? And I was just like, come on. Like, I didn't come here for therapy. Like, cut this thing off. Put a Band-Aid on me for five or six days so I can walk around. Everybody asks me what's wrong with me, you know, and, and, and get this over with. Because I'm just fed up at this point. And so the doctor keeps talking to me and he's asking me all of these questions. He's like, well, you know, 
What, what's outside of your control that you're trying to control? I mean, all of this stuff. I feel like I'm in a therapy session. And once again, somebody's in the room cutting onions. I'm like, what? Every time. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wiping away the, the waterworks and I'm like trying to talk to this doctor. And it was like the Holy Spirit himself came in the room and was speaking through this person that, that I didn't know. See, the old doctor, that wouldn't happen, right? It was a divine moment. Sometimes we don't know that God works intricately through the details of our interactions and things. So, so God knew who needed to be there that day. And they spoke something to me. And the doctor said, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll do what you want me to do. But guess what? It's going to come back unless you fix the real problem. Because warts have roots. But guess what? Your root is your worry. And that's a, that's a virus that's in your body. And, and what you're seeing on the outside is what's going on on the inside. Huh. And so, praise God. So the doctor says, okay, we'll do this. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you more than a medicine prescription. I'm going to tell you how you need to, to deal with this stuff. And the doctor gave me some advice. And can I say this? Like, they never came back to this day. Like, I mean, I have scars that show that they were there. But, but it's when you get to the root. And many of us are dealing with the root of worry in our lives. It's infecting us. It's showing things on the outside that are going on on the inside. People can't even really figure out what's wrong with you. Why are you so irritable? Why, 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 why are you so stressed out? You know, how come you break out in the hives or how come this is happening? That's happening. And, and, and really the root of the issue is something deeper than just what's going on on the surface. And so today I invite you to cast that care on him because he says that he cares about us and that we can give him every worry. We can come unto him when we're weary and heavy laden. And my Bible says he'll give us rest. So I want to pray for you today that God would help us in our battle with worry. Father, we thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for your love, your concern for us. God, we know that as a loving father that you, you know every need that we stand in need of and you meet us at our place of need in accordance with your will. God, I pray for each and every person that's here on today, God. You know what they're struggling with. You know their heart. God, you know that battle with anxiety, with worry on a daily basis. God, I pray that you would give them the relief that they need. But I pray, God, that you would go to the root of the matter. Father, that we would no longer seek to to just patch up these holes in our buckets, God, but that we would find the fulfillment and the joy in you, God. No longer seeking happiness, but seeking that which you provide in your salvation and knowing you, God, and in the joy of the Holy Spirit and the joy of our salvation. Father, we praise you. We honor you. We believe that you can do anything but fail. God, I ask that you would touch the heart of that person, God, if it be just one, the one who knows that this word is for them, God, encourage them. Give them what they need that we cannot give ourselves. We thank you. We praise you. We stand in agreement and faith in advance that you'll do everything that your word says. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.